0: Being Reasonable, now heard on WHUP LP Hillsborough, WCOM Carborough, and WPVM Asheville. Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina.
1: Please fasten your seatbelts.
0: I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs, and we can do so by being reasonable.
1: 1 2
0: On this week's show, we hold an interesting conversation with Roland Walters, owner of In the Healing Light in Eflin, North Carolina. Roland discusses his beliefs in energetic and spiritual healing. So let's listen to Roland Walters from In The Healing Light.
2: I work with a lot of people with the work that I do energetically and spiritually. And a lot of people come to me sometimes for pains that, let's say, a doctor can't explain. That Let's say there's a knee pain, but they keep saying there's nothing there, and they get to another position, and there's nothing there, but the person's still having it. And a lot of times what it can, not always, but what it can end up being is um, something emotionally tragic, some trauma that they experience sometime in their life, actually is affecting the parts of the body, which in another way, we call it stress. But then there's that stress we put on ourselves of, am I good enough? Do I deserve this? Am I worthy? You know, or especially if you were told you weren't good enough at some time in your life.
0: To me, this sounds like you're saying more than stress. You're you're saying that emotional pain or emotional trauma occurring in somebody's life can have a specific effect on, say, a specific part of the body, like such as the knee.
2: Yes, and also it will affect... Your future decisions, you know, it can cloud your vision, especially in what you think you're able to do or how other people react to you. So you you almost it's, it's like using the phrase um, walking with blinders on, you know, you put yourself because of either how you've labeled yourself or others have labeled you or either because of a the emotional trauma through that um, events in life. You put a label on yourself, you know, you you put yourself in the box and you end up in a way down inside, not as peaceful, not as happy as you should be.
0: So the idea that the experiences you've had in your life will affect how you see future events because you have a certain lens in which you're seeing that the new events through.
2: Unless you can release the feelings out of it, such that it's only a memory. Let's say um, you grew up in a not-so-good household, and um, it's one of the common ones I hear. Somebody's in the family was addicted to, let's say, alcohol and was just verbally abusive, not even physically, just verbally abusive. And as a child, you take in all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start accepting yourself. If, if you were being called worthless, mm-hmm. you start accepting that as, as you. But a lot of times it starts with a specific event or specific group of comments that an individual or let's say the parent may have made that is actually the trauma, and it's the trauma that we don't let go that sets the patterns in our life. That's the trauma that we don't let go that actually can resonate with body problems, physical health. But if you can turn it from being from a trauma to just a memory, in other words, if somebody starts talking to you about it and it's 30 years later, mm. you know, let's say an old childhood friend brings up and says, you know, I remember how hard your dad was on you. And if that sparks some uh, a feeling like a rise out of you, then right. you know you're still carrying in the emotional pain, you know, of whatever it may be, or or emotional wounding, maybe you would say. So, uh, but if a person can release it, and people come to me is, is um, to help them release it. Now, mind you, I'm not a counselor, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I just work with them more on the on kind of, the spiritual level.
0: I think I see where you're coming from. My understanding is part of the concept of cognitive behavioral therapy when you're dealing with someone who has post-traumatic stress disorder is that part of the reason why someone might have flashbacks or someone might not be able to deal effectively in this world is that they actively try not to think of the trauma. And when they do, like you said, the trauma has these great impressions on you because you're actively avoiding Thinking about it, and the act of, and, the, and part of the therapy is to think about it quite a bit until um, the memory of that trauma just doesn't have that same effect.
2: Correct, correct. It's where it's just the goal is just for it just to be a memory. Um, it's just it's amazing how many, not how many, how much most of us, if not all of us, don't realize how much past events affect how we walk and talk and act today how do you help an
0: individual who has these traumatic experiences that are now expressed in physical pain
2: when a person comes to me one of the first things we start doing is actually talking and trying to see is what they think is the issue is actually the issue you know, is this really what we're looking at? You know, what they've got in their mind, there may be, um, or even those that come to me they are just hoping that I'm going to help them on a physical end because the doctors aren't, then I actually start talking to them about their life because I can't necessarily he- fix the knee, but I can help to fix the heart and the mind by helping them to release So anyway, we get talking and dig a little deeper and dig a little deeper. And until we get to something that really is bringing up a a rise within them, is bringing up an emotional reaction, and it could have been 20 years ago. It could have been 30 years ago. We go back to that time, and a lot of negativity starts coming up. and, And, I mean, it starts showing in their body and their movements. Um... And people like to then talk about what happened, but I want them to tell me exactly what they felt during that time. How, if it was a person that did it to them, how that person made them feel, you know, and relive it. And through some of the work I do, which deals with a lot with shamanism and, and other energy-type modalities, um, I actually try to help them release, as you would say, the negative energy that's tied to that trauma. And how do you do that? I am a person who who feels energy from people um, you know you've heard of people that are like psychics or things like that I'm not something like those uh, but I feel energy with my hands a lot of people feel energy you know or they get around something like I'm uncomfortable I'm just you know I guess a little more accentuated um, and like if I was working on like someone like you, and as you got talking, the energy around the body would change, and a lot of times it would show itself up in certain areas. Let's say going back to the knees, maybe the knees are giving a lot this person a lot of problem, and all of a sudden it's just—it could be a lot of heat, it could be a lot of cold, it could be a resonating like uh, vibration. I'll feel it, and I actually tried to help, like sweep it away take it away from the body, maybe even pull it away from the body.
0: So are you doing the sweeping away of the energy when you're talking to them in your mind?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. um, I'll even use my hands and stuff, but yes. See how they reacted during that time, and was it really that bad?
0: So you're helping your clients, and your clients are reporting being helped, and you're talking about how you're helping them perform a release of the energy and how you're sweeping away the energy. And at the same time, when they come see you, you're a nice person. Someone gets to talk to you about what they're going through and it's something predictable and they look forward to. How would one distinguish whether someone is getting helped through non specific factors like this nice environment and a person to talk to versus A specific reason, like energy being swept away and shamanism and things
2: like that. Mm. And make sure I understand. Uh,
0: It seems like you have a framework from what you're using to help people Mm -hmm. and people are being helped by you. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to help a person for a different reason than how you are actually helping the person?
2: Oh, okay. I got you. I'm not gonna say all the time, but the, the the probability is is yes. You can help a person just by listening, whether I did nothing else. So sometimes a person just needs to talk whether I do anything on the, the energy side or anything. So to answer your question for is helping besides the actual practices way that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so what do we gain when we add these extra layers to the simple but powerful practice? It seems to have someone to talk to and have someone to be able to listen to you in a non-judgmental, caring, unbiased way.
2: The the difference is going to be, um, and if you were looking to shamanic cultures of indigenous cultures. They've known for a long time that you know we're all part of energy. we're we're you know you and I and every other human are connected energetically somehow or another. You know, we may have different minds and we may have different bodies, but we're still all connected just um,
0: I think I understand what you're saying when you're talking about negative emotions and traumatic experiences where I get confused and maybe help me is when you bring in the term energy, maybe it'll help if you can help me define what this energy is. Is it something that we can measure? Is it an actual energy? Is it just the concept of a cause and effect universe that what I do affects what you do? I'm just trying to understand what you mean.
2: I guess to answer your questions, yes. (laughs) Um, Can it be measured? Uh, Let me get back to that one. Sometimes it does... Or it can be in the sense of just body temperature change. you get you get angry, your temperature rises.
0: So, in that case, why wouldn't we just talk about it in terms of body temperature?
2: I don't always feel it in the form of just body temperature. How are we feeling it? <sighs> Let me give you an example of what of how I feel or how I felt energy um, on a significant basis one of the first times. My daughter, between four and five months of age, actually had um, congestive heart failure and had a heart attack. Mm. And was at the hospital um, in the PICU unit for six weeks. Goodness. And one of the days, I walked in and my daughter's laying spread eagle, nothing but a diaper on and a bright light over. And I knew the light was to keep her warm. But she had so many tubes and things in her, she's completely unconscious that... Um, you know, they'd be needed to be able to see all this and, and watch her, even though she really wasn't moving. Um, just like a, a normal parent would do or dad would do. It's like, okay, is she cold? Is she warm? Cause all she's got on is a diaper. Okay. And of course she's, she's a little thing. She's a, she's a baby. Sure. And I went up to put my hand on her chest and there was a, let's call it a force field type energy. Over her chest. Literally, if you took a bowl and turned it upside down and put it over her, not just her chest, her whole abdomen area. And when I went to touch her, I could feel it. It's like it stopped me two inches from her chest. It's that kind of energy. And I know it's not the greatest explanation, but that's a description for you. But when I pushed on this little energy, Mm -hmm. my daughter, who was completely unconscious, would jump. Mm -hmm. I'd take my hand back do it again, it's still there. And when I say energy with people, sometimes it's like that. The body has ways of coping, as does the mind, and sometimes it's set aside through the energy. Some, And sometimes with the body, and when it comes to emotion, we can't keep it all up here. And when we try to pack it away, the negative energy that was associated with all that, that maybe we built up ourselves from the trauma, Mm -hmm. gets tucked in somewhere.
0: And it's quite an emotional story, and it leads me to different avenues that we could explore here. From what you're telling me, you're talking about trauma from the mind is tucked in, stored into the body. And I'd want to know, is the mind separate
2: from the body? In my opinion, yes. To me, the mind is very spiritual, and, and the brain is an organ. You know, you've heard people say things like the mind mind can move mountains, the mind can change the world. Does thinking occur in the mind or the brain? My personal belief is that the brain is just the organ. It occurs in the mind.
0: If all of a sudden, just as a thought experiment, Mm-hmm my brain vanished i was sitting here and the organ of the brain vanished would i be able to go on would i be able to continue to have thoughts would i be able to think and have a conversation with you
2: good question i never really thought of it that way but my immediate response would be if okay now you're saying if the organ the brain was gone would you i'd say no because you're the the physical component needed to Produce the words, you know, the brain to guide the tongue, guide the mouth, and guide the lips. So the that mind can't do that part. I don't believe so. I think the mind is, you know, very separate.
0: How does
2: the mind and the brain interact? I don't know if I can answer that. I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell you no. If
0: I'm not saying this is the case, but if we could bring in a neuroscientist let's say. The neuroscientist explains to your satisfaction this is how the brain works and the brain when we form thoughts it requires these mechanisms and these neural pathways and different thoughts occur different parts of the brain and depending on the thoughts or emotions you have this is sort of how it works. If someone could explain that to you to your satisfaction, Would you say, oh, it doesn't sound like we need the mind since this is explained by the brain, or am I missing something?
2: There's always been this divide between the I wanna say maybe the spiritual side and the medical, let's say or scientific is the better word. And in my opinion, both are right. And also in my opinion or my belief that we both we need both. But there's still a in my belief, once again, there there's this the mind is as, a spiritual factor. It's you know, we don't it's one of the reasons why we don't say our brain, our brain, our brain. We talk about what's what's in your mind, what's in because sometimes we can set apart parts of our mind, but yet the brain will still function the body. The brain
0: is something that we can agree, hopefully that it exists, that mm-hmm. it's a organ and it functions. And to say something occurs in the brain, I think we would be able to agree that that is some sort of objective reality and not based on a belief, based on...
2: It's facts there. A fact. Yeah.
0: What is the belief in the mind giving us that the brain isn't? And if the mind is based on a belief and the brain is based on facts, would you rather believe in facts in this
2: case, or would you rather have the belief? I don't know if you can choose one way or the other, because, you know, we have the facts. We understand, you know, if we don't take care of our brain, if we don't, uh, uh, you know, feed it properly and everything else, that our thinking doesn't occur. Now, is this a situation of the thinking doesn't occur because the, the, the organ, the brain isn't able to transmit, to decipher, to whatever from the brain or from the, from the mind rather. I don't know. I don't know if you can choose one way or the other. You know, I guess my belief and, and hopefully this is not, uh, you know, ignorant in my comments, but. That's kind of like the spiritual side. It's kind of like when you when you don't have the facts, but you have a have a knowing, you have a feeling. Let's say that just the feeling, because you know, the emotional is is generally feelings.
0: So you're saying feelings come from the brain, but knowings come from
2: the mind. No, I think feelings come from the mind also. Oh, feelings come from the mind. When a person comes to me, I uh, um, you know we're dealing with feelings we're dealing with a fear and anger something from the from the past and so for example fear
0: is an emotion and let's say a neuroscientist could show you how fear derives from the amygdala part of the brain and they can show a person uh, in an fMRI like a scanner and they can show them fearful scenes on a dvd and when they show them those fearful scenes that area of the brain lights up. Okay. Would we be able to agree then that fear, let's say, comes from the amygdala, or is it coming from somewhere else that I'm not understanding what you're saying?
2: Okay. Yeah, and I'm, made, I, I'm probably not coming across very well, but all right, you, you take that they're looking at this video, and if a person's never experienced fear, are they going to react to it?
0: If they never experienced fear?
2: If before in their life. Have never experienced a fear ever in their life. Or are they going to react to that video? In other words, there was a trigger at some time, somewhere, for them to experience to know what it is. Now,
0: so you're saying fear is not an innate emotion. Fear is something that we've learned.
2: Um, I'd say it's it is learned, but it it's experienced. Um, far as I'm describing as innate emotion, maybe. We continue our
0: conversation with Roland Walters, owner of In the Healing Light, as he discusses his beliefs in energetic and spiritual healing, coming up after this short break.
3: Something is what's
0: what you believe is true, let's say on a scale from one to seven,
2: how important is truth to you? On a scale of one to seven? Yeah. Closer to seven, the better. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. So for what you want to
0: believe, you want that belief to be true. Mm -hmm. And a little earlier, I asked you, is it more important to have evidence for the things you think or beliefs for what you believe.
2: Yeah, I, I think I understand what you're saying. And, you know, it's a valid, good question. And what I'll have to say is, we can't be stuck in our beliefs. It's it, it may not change my my base of what I, I believe. In other words, that I know when a person comes in at the table uh, on the like I'm got them on a massage-type table and they're laying there and they're talking to me and I can feel this energy coming off, it's not going to change how I feel that energy and that I know it's there. If
0: your belief in this energy helping this person, if this belief, I'm not saying this is the case, but if it happened to be
2: false, how would you know it? Um... If it turned out to be false, how, how would I know it?
0: Would there be a way to know it was false, if it was false?
2: Interesting question. Um, if it was.
0: And, and, and let me broaden that question, if you, yeah. if, if you don't mind. Is it useful to have any belief, any belief, that can't be shown
2: to be false? People do that every day, don't they? When they. They do. God, but is it
0: useful to have a belief in that sense?
2: Yes, I'll say it's useful to have a belief as long as it's it's a belief that is not harmful to you or anyone else. Um, now, doesn't mean you won't have that belief, but uh, but as far as answering questions, it useful. Let's say you have a belief that you can fly just on your own, just step outside and fly like a Peter Pan. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. I don't know if stuff happens all the time, but you know, right now the odds are quite a bit against you. But as long as you have that belief, maybe with facts, it comes along that, yes, your belief turns into you just jumping out a door and flying to learning how to fly. What if I had
0: that belief, that belief I could fly? And I, to the my core, I believed it. Nobody could tell me otherwise. I talk about flying all the time, and my family gets tired of me talking about this belief. And one day, I climb up to the top of this roof and jump off. So I guess what I'm saying is, at that point, it would seem, and mm-hmm. please tell me, it would seem that my belief is running into a hard fact. Yes. I can't fly.
2: Right, right. That belief
0: is falsifiable, meaning there's a way to show that that belief is not true. There's a way to show that belief is false. Me getting up on this roof and jumping. Is there a way to show that your belief is falsifiable?
2: Mine will be more easily argued about um, just because of what I actually feel. What I feel is part of my belief, you know, with everything being connected energy-wise and stuff. But to a person who's not ready, aware, or willing to believe in that, it's not going to feel what I feel. So how are they going to disprove it?
0: What if I tell you that I feel I can fly? And if you don't believe that I can fly, it's because you're not ready to feel what I feel. You don't see things the way I see things, but I can fly. What if I told you that?
2: It would be true because I don't feel what they feel and I don't see how they... See what they see. But what your feeling about me flying mm-hmm.
0: have any effect whether I could actually fly?
2: Would my feeling...
0: Does your feeling about my being able to fly, or my feeling about my being able to fly, have anything to do with me being able
2: to fly? I think it does. There's so much we don't know, and and probably stuff we're not meant to know. <laughs> um, you know, the phrase, we don't know what we don't know. But if you take, let's back it up from you physically flying to you having the belief that one day you're going to be a flyer, you know, a pilot. Um, obviously, what you're saying uh, if, if a person who believes they can fly without any assistance jumps off a building, that'll be proven wrong pretty quickly. But when you asked, like, what my belief and what their belief may affect them or even what their belief affects them, if I doubt you, one or two things are going to happen. You're going to push to a point of either proving it to be right or you're going to start doubting yourself. If you took a million people out here and all gathered in one spot and had complete full faith that when you got up on top of the roof, you were going to jump and you were going to fly. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. How many people? I said, Let's say a million people all at one time focusing on you at the exact same time, all fully believing that you're going to do it. Maybe. I don't know. Each one of us in that million, for everybody to have complete belief that that's going to happen. So does
0: the number of people believing that I could fly have an effect on me being able to fly. Does
2: does having a certain number of people...
0: Does having a million people believe that I could climb up on this roof right now and fly have an effect on me being able to fly?
2: It strengthens your belief. Now, whether the science part still stands... In other words, gravity is still there, and we are are heavier than air... (laughs) Um, but I mean, it's a valid point. I, I, uh, cause I, you know, I am with you in the sense that the science part has shown that gravity, something heavier than the air without assistance, without power is going to fall. So this goes back to what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And if we don't know something. Is that a good
0: reason to believe in another thing?
2: If you don't know, there's a possibility for a cure for a disease. Do you stop your belief on that maybe we can find one?
0: We continue our conversation with Roland Walters, owner of In the Healing Light, as he discusses his beliefs in energetic and spiritual healing, coming up after this Short break. I'm a gender fluidity eagle. I've traveled all this way to come find you. I'm a gender fluidity eagle. I've showed up at your door to make love to you. I'm a gender fluidity eagle. I'm gonna steal your job away from you. I'm a gender fluidity eagle. And now I'm I'm to kill you I'm, I'm a gender fluid illegal I've traveled all this way to come find you I'm a gender fluid illegal Shut up at your door to make love to you I'm a gender fluid ego Gonna steal your job away from you I'm a gender fluid ego Let's have a thought experiment
2: okay
0: let's say half the population thinks that vaccines don't work that they're dangerous that nobody should take them and presumably they can find information to back up that belief and let's say the other half of the population believes that vaccines are very important and everybody needs to take them and presumably they can find information to bolster their belief It would appear, especially in times like now, that coming up with the truth, the facts would be really important because we have two sides that believe wildly different things based on different information. Mm -hmm. What could we do at that point to make a decision on what's true and real?
2: can you really make a decision for everybody out there what's true and what's real? Because you take the half of the population that does not believe and the other half that does. Example, if you walk into a session with a counselor that has been strongly recommended as the best in the state for exactly what you're dealing with, and you walk in there, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work then it's not going to work.
0: So to use my analogy, and I just want to mm-hmm. just understand where you're coming from, to the half of the population who do not believe that vaccines are safe and effective, if they take vaccines, those vaccines are less likely to be safe and effective. To the other half of the population who do believe that they're safe and effective, if they take vaccines, they're more likely to be safe and effective because they believe that they'll be safe and effective.
2: The power of the mind.
0: Do you think that's that would be the case? Mm-hmm. Do you think that could be something that we could test, we could find out, to design an experiment
2: in literally that way, maybe? Um, I'd say it's probably already been tested. I'd, I'd say it's probably already been experiments when, with, and I don't know anything on top of my head, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's it's already been looked into that you know, if you're fully against something, can it work? Yeah. But are you going to reprogram your mind to the point that there's no possibility? You know, you're, you're stating this over and over. So I'd say it's probably already been
0: done. So if they came out with a COVID-19 vaccine mm-hmm. and I took it and to my core, I did not believe that this would work it wouldn't work. And I probably shouldn't get it the shot to begin with, I guess, to follow your path, I
2: think. Yeah, the only thing is if if you just believe that the shot didn't work and you and you didn't get it, doesn't mean you you won't get the virus. Um, but even now I I to I've talked to people where people get in conversations that they strongly believe they, they won't get this. But going back to half the population believe in one thing versus the other, you know, you hear things like mind over matter and, and stuff, but it's it affects us. That mind will keep us in a tunnel or it'll open us up to the wide world. So in this world we shouldn't avoid scientific facts by any means. So uh if a vaccine seems to be very beneficial that maybe our belief needs to grow, that, you know, some beliefs, and who knows, maybe some of mine even are also are, are in the dark because of lack of knowledge or just assumptions. So, uh, in other words, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you about like energy coming off of people if I've never felt it if I've never experienced it. Now, obviously, you're talking about the guy that jumps off the roof. If he hasn't felt it, then I'd say it's definitely questionable. But then there's a lot in in the religious spectrum that would argue that point, too. So so, uh, belief is a strong thing.
0: The reason why I do this show is that we seem to live in a time where we have people who, who have very different beliefs and it's starting to get us into trouble, I think.
2: I won't argue that. We need awareness. You know, we need to step away from ignorance. We need to be open and aware and let our beliefs grow or let our beliefs open the minds of someone else. Not necessarily change their minds, just open up so they see how I see. I don't want anybody that listens to me to talk to, say, you know, thinks that I know all or that I'm trying to change their perspective. Because I don't want somebody doing that to me. And part of my belief is our beliefs can make us ignorant because we get so wrapped up, and there's this is the only way.
0: From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.
1: fun.
4: a small rug stain draw a cool jet plane and cause you to cry I am just like Superman and my power is to make you blue I am just one over I try, try to do the right thing Swoop in like an airplane I'm always on the go My costume, my costume is bulletproof I'm strong enough to leave a bruise And I know how to sew I dress in in a red poncho while wearing red boots that glow I streak across the sky I'd make a make a good hero if I wasn't such a zero and cause you to cry I'm just like Superman, and my power is to make you blue. I am just like Superman, with my super strength long overdue.
1: Oh,
0: Your playthings. You thought I was truly astounding, but I'm just your average, no good, nothing. On four legs, more human than canine. Things aren't the same without you around. Bed you Salisbury steak and ground beef, which I think might be the same god. Thing I'm not up to horsing around I won't use that high voice I now love like I'm gonna get hurt The tennis ball for throwing is stuck in the dirt I sled down hills without you trailing me I miss you my friend you could not see or hear, but we were near, and you weren't alone. You spoke more words than anyone I've known. A dog's life is short, and now you are gone. I'm not up to horsing around.
3: Hey, this is Michelle Malone, and when I